I'll let the record show that the meeting started at five minutes after five. Um, there is a counselor should have an agenda in front of them. <clears throat> Administration has requested uh, nine additions. Um, three of them are um, are actually informational items. Under, section, under presentations, these three items deal with uh, the Peace Regional RCMP Victim Services presentation. So that would be one, two, and three. Uh, there is under um, section 7.1 a request for decision regarding physician recruitment and retention committee. Uh, this is the terms of reference. Um, item 5, which will be uh, section 10, item 5, uh, Councillor Ford will be making a report on the Gravel Pit, Gravel Pit Committee. Uh, under, also under section 10, this will be item 6, Deputy Mayor Manzer will pre be presenting a monthly report. Uh, in section 9, which deals with uh, information, there is a letter from, an email from Tracy Sleifel, which is uh, the subject matter of request for letter of support for crime prevention. And actually, yes, that's section 11.9. Um, and then... Um, in camera, there will be two items, one to deal with personnel and another on legal. Um, I've been corrected, there is actually another, there's a bit of a discrepancy in the additions, but there will need to be another, uh, in, under section eight, new business. This will be item six. There will be a request for decision regarding the financial statements. Are there any uh, any further requests for additions? Oh, that's a surprise. Any requests for deletions? Hearing none, I will uh, take a motion to accept the agenda as amended. Sure. Okay. All in favor? Councilor Ford's motion. Thank you. It's passed. So we have uh, two sets of mi minutes under adoption of minutes. The minutes of the August 8, 2016 regular meeting of council. Uh, are there any, any corrections that need to be made to that, that set of minutes? No spelling, typo? I had sent in some typos, those are in. Okay, I'm good. I'll make a motion to uh, adopt the minutes as presented. Okay. This will be for August 8th. All in favor? That takes us to the minutes of September 12, 2016. Are there any uh, corrections that need to be made there? I'll make a motion to accept the uh, August, or September 12th minutes. All in favor? Awesome. Uh, are there any public hearings, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. That takes us to presentations, and I'd like to welcome the Peace Regional 
RCMP Victim Services Delegation to the front. Mr. Brian Turpin. Good evening, uh, Your Worship, Mayor Turpin, and fellow councillors. Thank you. I've got some um, handouts that I'll just leave here for afterwards, and I'll go through this quick presentation. I opted not to go with the PowerPoint because I know I have a timeline here to follow, so I'll just leave these behind for handouts afterwards. And uh, <coughs> so, thank you for inviting me here. Button on your mic there. Oh, okay. Again, thank you for inviting me, Mayor Tarpe, fellow councillors. Some of you have uh, already know who I am. I'm Brian Turpin, and I'm the Regional Coordinator for Peace Regional Victim Services Unit with the RCMP. Uh, I'm pleased to have been asked to come here this evening and give you a brief overview of the Victim Services Unit here in the Town of Peace River. Victim Services is a community-based program that operates in partnership with the Alberta Justice and Solicitor General and RCPK Division Alberta. We are a nonprofit registered charity organization with a community-based volunteer governing board of directors. Our office is located here at the Peace River RCMP Detachment and we provide support, assistance, information and referral to victims of crime and tragedy. Direct service to victims of crime and tragedy is provided by our staff and our trained volunteer advocates. Our staff and advocates go through an extensive screening process to obtain an RCMP enhanced security clearance. The staff and the volunteers then complete the required justice and solicitor uh, general training from uh, Alberta and they are certified. Some of the services that we provide in the town of Peace River as a victim services unit is crisis intervention, emotional support to primary and secondary victims of crime, information and assistance for victims with the victim impact statement, request for restitution, the financial benefits program for serious and violent crimes, assisting in developing personal safety plan for victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, harassment, and aggravated assault. We assist, assist victims in making application to the court to obtain protection orders such as peace bonds or restraining orders, court preparation, orientation, and court accompaniment is another service that we support provide to adult and child victims uh, who are required to testify. We work closely with the Crown Prosecutor's Office providing a liaison between the Crown's Office, the police, and the victim. Information and handouts on personal safety, residential security, and abuse issues, support in dealing with grief after the loss of a loved one, and practical information such as planning for a funeral, uh, including financial and legal information, the role of the medical examiner and the police in certain sudden deaths. Uh, referrals to various other community agencies, obviously, such as income support, counseling, domestic violence programs. We uh, just don't deal with the justice part of the file. We will look at the peripheral needs of the victim and direct them towards appropriate services. Uh, we provide emergency response on a call out basis by the RCMP 24 hours, seven, uh, usually responding to the scene or to the hospital for sudden death, suicide, we do notification and can accompaniment with the RCMP to homes. Uh, we are involved in domestic violence files, assault, sexual assault, robbery, missing persons. In addition to the police referrals, we also accept self-referrals and of course referrals from other agencies. Uh, our funding for our BSU unit is in part with the Alberta Justice and Solicitor General Victims Crime Fund is our major 
um, contributor to our budget. And we also rely heavily on municipal funding. Every municipality in the Peace Region town and MD contribute according to $2 per capita. And we've been very appreciative of that funding for quite a number of years. Uh, we also rely on donations. Some of it is court-mandated offender donations, and some of it is voluntary, and we do a certain amount of fundraising. Uh, not a lot. We do a casino, and we do a charity golf tournament, in, usually in June. Some stats that you may be interested in, and again, uh, these are not crime stats, so I don't want to mislead you in thinking that this is the official crime stats for Peace River Town or Peace River, because they're not. There are specific files that we have dealt with and retained and worked through, so we may get a referral from our CMP officer that doesn't necessarily involve charges or court. We may get a referral that does. So some of these numbers, like I said, it's not directly related to the crime statistics for the town. Uh, Staff Sergeant Brett Meyer, of course, will provide you with those numbers. But last year in 2015, we provided assistance to 228 files in the town of Peace River. Uh, considering that uh, some of those files may have multiple victims or multiple people involved in an incident, uh, i.e. a family. Uh, some of the five categories, as you could well imagine, domestic violence, common assault, sexual assaults, adult children, mischief, theft, robbery, criminal harassment, medical health act, suicide, missing persons, sudden death, and house fires. One of the things I did bring along with me today is the uh, Victims of Crime Protocol book. Uh, you may have an electronic copy that I, uh, I sent in previous. Uh, it is online. It is something that we provide to every victim of crime in Alberta. Alberta is very proud of producing that document. It's one of only in Canada. Uh, victim Services in Alberta leads the way in the country. That is a roadmap for the criminal justice system as to what a victim can expect once charges are laid. So we work with the victim through that process, through the court process. Again, I provided you with the basic pamphlet of uh, services that the VSU units provide across the province, such as ours, and I left my business card and the latest copy of the legislation from July of 2015 when the Victims of Crime Act was enhanced and, uh, and some things were added. So uh, for the remainder of the time, I'd like to take some questions, if you have some questions for me. I know some of you have seen me do this presentation before. Does anybody have any questions as to what we do? Um, you mentioned adult children. Does that mean elder abuse, or is elder abuse it part can, of your... It can be elder abuse also. We, we do have files where we have elder abuse, and uh, we have uh, the sexual assault, uh, I think, was broken into adult and, and child. But uh, we do have an increasing number, unfortunately, of elder abuse files, and we've been seeing that. And you mentioned um, 228 files from the town of Peace River. So is that like in the calendar year of 2015? That's or right, is yes. And is that up or down? Or it is, is up. Trend? It is up. Yeah. That's not for the whole region. Keeping in mind our unit uh, operates, the regional VSU operates in the uh, catchment areas of the RCMP McLennan, Red Earth Creek, Grimshaw and Peace River, taking in the First Nations community of Duncan, Kadot, Little Buffalo, and the surrounding First Nation communities of Red Earth Creek. So I just took out the stats that are there for Peace River, which doesn't include 
Delta there. So 228 is just the town of Peace River? Just the town of Peace River, the boundaries of the town of Peace River. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you were to compare year to date, 2015, 2016, are you seeing an upward trend in 2016 and yes. over 2015? I have to be careful when I answer your question because I'm seeing an upward trend in referrals to us. Oh, okay. So I don't want anyone to perceive that I'm coming here saying that the town of Peace River has an increased crime rate. Yeah. What we've done is we've done a very good job at uh, Justice and Solicitor General has been working with K-Division to solidify a memorandum of understanding so that people don't fall through the cracks mm -hmm. and they get referred to the RCMP. Because in the past, unfortunately, that wasn't always the case. Uh, a file went through the courts and they weren't referred to the Victim Services Unit. So we've, we've worked with K-Division and with JSG to improve the referral to make sure that we're not missing people that are going through the system with the RCMP. So would you necessarily know if there's an increased trend in terms of actual occurrences? Because you may not be able to tell any any different if it's just people that weren't being caught before versus That's correct, an actual trend. upward trend. So you, yeah. you wouldn't have any way I wouldn't knowing report that. on the crime stats. I would leave that to the staff sergeant. But uh, that can be requested at any time. You can get a breakdown on Yeah, yeah, we do. We yeah. do get that information. So that's where we would watch it. Oh, okay. So we're just coming from which files we dealt with. And we may get a referral from the RCMP that may show in your crime stat rates that and charges may have been withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So we've still dealt with it, but it doesn't really sometimes show up in some certain stats. Right? Okay. So so it's two different uh, two different sets of stats. So we're seeing from the victim services uh, point of view, we're seeing an increase in domestic violence, of course. Uh, we would expect it. I think the province has been working diligently. Alberta, uh, unfortunately, holds the Canadian record for being the highest in domestic violence, and that was before the downturn of the economy. So it's not getting, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not getting better, but I would anticipate the, con the economic conditions would not make the climate for it to improve. But I know there's a lot of public education and we work very closely with DV victims, very complicated, time-consuming files to work with them to get the proper services, to give them the choices that they might look at wanting to make a change. I don't really have a question, but I should make a comment that, uh, well, first of all, we, um, in terms of the photo radar, uh, a certain percentage of that goes to the victim services. Um, Victim services may not go directly to your victim services unit, but it certainly, uh, if there's uh, people out there listening to the podcast, you should be aware that uh, a significant percentage of, of uh, photo radar tickets does, does uh, contribute to your budget, which is good. And I, I should also uh, mention that um, you do good work. Uh, I, I did have, uh, uh, I, I have, um, run into an individual, uh, and I, I would describe this individual as a friend, but they're, uh, uh, they've got a lot of support from, from your unit. Their, uh, their child was murdered, uh, granted it was, and, and I don't think it makes much of a difference to a parent, whether it's an adult child or whether it's uh, uh, a young child, and uh, certainly she, she's a lot of solace and you can imagine it pretty tragic for her to go through this this uh this event and there again i think the i think this individual actually lives in the town of peace river but the 
murder actually happened a couple of provinces away, so so that could be that that would be a referral staff. Absolutely. But yeah. having said that, it's not, the crime not necessarily right. a crime that happened here. Exactly. Yeah, we have a lot of peripheral files that would be like that. Crimes that have happened in other provinces, but the victim's family are living here, so we would deal with some of those. Or the sale of we would have some of those. Right. Yeah. And just to, to address to your, your other comment there about the uh, the, uh, the surcharges that go to the Victims Crime Fund, as, as you're probably aware, the Auditor General's report came out and we had some, we've been meeting with the province with regards to budgeting and just now, and I think I've, I've had some conversation with Mayor Terpe uh, last year about this when the, the, uh, the Auditor General's report was released. There is a surplus in that fund. And we have been lobbying for increased funding because we get uh, just $150,000 from Justice and Solicitor General, and it's about 62% of our budget. The rest of it would rely on municipal funding, fundraising, and other contributions as donations. So uh, we have been working with the province to identify those gaps, and there is ongoing work that's been happening over the last six, seven months with regards to that to identifying the shortfalls in funding for the local DSU units. Uh, in this province, there are just the two cities, Calgary and Edmonton. They, they apply and receive $300,000 in funding. Every other DSU receives one hundred and fifty, dollars including cities of Lethbridge. Uh, the city of Fort McMurray just recently decided that their victim services unit could not operate even with the peripheral funding, the 150000 mm -hmm. So they actually took the victim services unit over, and it is now a municipal operation, and that has happened in the province also. But uh, I think the new minister is quite open and willing. I've met with her because I wear two hats. I'm the coordinator for Peace Regional Victim Services, but I'm also the provincial <laughs> president of Alberta Police Base Victim Services Association. So uh, I've had numerous meetings with, uh, with Minister Ganley, and she's very open to want to identify these gaps in funding that we have because we are underfunded, we're understaffed, and uh, file numbers are increasing. How many staff do you have in Peace River? Uh, full-time, myself as the regional coordinator, a full-time assistant regional coordinator, and a part-time 20-hour court support person that would attend courts. Uh, we have three provincial court, one Queen's Bench here at Peace River. We have a circuit court in Fulaire uh, twice monthly and one also in Red Earth Creek twice monthly. So uh, we could easily do with the full-time position in that position, but we're two and a half right now to answer your question. So some of the stuff, like some of the stuff obviously, you know, I look at and say that's victims of crime. Some of the stuff is kind of social services stuff, it seems like there would be uh, potential, at least for a lot of overlap between what other service and social service agents do, like how do you, what are you doing to make sure that's not happening? Um, yeah, no, it's a good question, uh, um, but it's there, we ensure that there is no overlap. Basically, we work in the detachment with the RCMP, so we go with the RCMP to the incident as such, depending on what it is. If it's a sexual assault in the hospital, there is uh, no service that will do that currently in this town that will provide that crisis intervention. They can get into mental health, but they have to get wait for the walk-in clinic or get an appointment. So we provide that crisis intervention. But the one thing that we do that's uniquely different from the other agencies, we refer a lot to mental health counseling. 
we refer a lot to the women's shelter, to the Stepping Up Domestic Violence Program. But one of the things that we provide that no other agency does is the liaison between the Crown Prosecutor, the police, and the victim. So we're providing them with information on their legal rights to request restitution, uh, the parameters around writing and submitting a victim impact statement, and applying for financial benefits, and providing them with the victims of crime protocol, and going to court with them bringing them into an RCMP detachment and allowing them to read over their statement uh, two to three days prior to a trial for a statement they gave six to eight months ago so that they can refresh their memory. Those are services that are unique to victim services. But to answer your question, there's a lot of outsourcing of referrals. We do immediate crisis intervention, long-term counseling. We, we refer out to mental health or private. Any further questions? Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, welcome to Canadian Union of Postal Workers Local 744. a bunch of information prior to just to kind of shorten up some of the presentation because I know it's lengthy with all the information that's been going on. Um, but at this point in time, uh, what Judy and I are doing is we're traveling throughout Northern Alberta meeting with uh, a variety of municipal districts uh, discussing service expansion and the maintaining of retail postal outlets in Northern Alberta. Um, at this point in time, the Liberal government is doing a public review of Canada Post. And in their 102-page discussion paper, uh, they're, it's very interesting in terms of how they're speaking about rural mail delivery services. Um, they're actually saying that about 3% of rural Canadians rely on the postal service, which I feel as though that's inaccurate based on the ways in which they've collected their information. Um, they are currently at this point in time moving across the country having uh, preliminary consultations, but uh, the locations in which they've chosen in Alberta is Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, so they've excluded uh, the North completely. Um, so what we're asking for is for a letter, a letter of support uh, with regards to preserving Canada Post's national retail network by considering opportunities to leverage that network through service expansion. And some of the service expansion ideas are around postal banking. Um, for those that are unaware of what postal banking is, is it's basically, we used to have, uh, Canada Post used to have a postal bank. It lasted until 1968, had $48 million in the postal bank, but then the larger banks monopolized against it and shut down the service. I think at that time, actually, there was only 67,000 low fee, uh, low deposits uh, members. And, so that can show that it's pretty profitable um, uh, service. Um, yeah, so there's plenty of service expansion ideas also in terms of uh, 
maintaining that. I know it doesn't happen here in Peace River because I think that everybody's under the rural mailboxes in Peace River, but in Grand Prairie, we still have door-to-door -door services, and they're they're looking at uh, charging Canadians an annual fee to receive mail to their doors, which with the profits that Canada Post make, uh, we don't see that it's a real necessity, especially considering that seniors, you know, have to uh, uh, suffer from from the reduction in these services. Um, another uh, another suggestion for service expansion is uh, kind of like a broadband service through for rural remote communities is offering uh, internet services at low fees because it's known that in uh, certain rural communities they can pay a very high rate for these uh, basic services. So essentially what we're um, asking for is for a, a letter of support uh, to uh, kind of just uh, represent the northern Alberta area in terms of the importance of our post offices. I've got a, a map that we've got and it just kind of identifies um, the uh, all of the post offices that we've got. And so it's within our best interest to meet with municipalities and the uh, counties uh, which we've organized throughout the entire District 4 asking for letters of support and at this current time we've got the City of Grand Prairie, the County of Grand Prairie, uh, Town of Sexsmith and the Town of Beaver Lodge and over the course of the next couple of days we'll be meeting with more uh, municipalities over uh, this request for a letter of support. So um, if anybody has any questions I'll be happy to answer. Any questions? Um, does um, your um, okay? How does how is Canada Post connected to um, is it Pure Later or one of those? Yeah, they own nine, they own ninety eight percent of Pure Later. Ninety one percent of Pure Later. So is the three percent that you refer referred to from the uh, federal government's review is that including uh, Pure Later? Services kind of too or uh, hard to say. Uh, I would say that Purelator isn't under review at this point in time. It's just strictly for Canada Post. One of the things that they're wanting to do is look at the uh, moratorium for postal closures. That's a big one. Uh, they want to kind of change the language in the in the charter. Um, so I think that the public review that's being taken place is just specific to Canada Post at this time. Yeah. So are you going to the counties, making the same presentation to County of Northern Sunrise County and County of Northern Yeah, I was actually really grateful because the County of Grand Prairie, uh, the administration officer there, uh, provided me with a, oh. the district map of Northern, uh, the district for the Northern area. So I was able to see all of the 15 uh, municipal districts and the counties that uh, are in our local area. And I've, uh, I've managed to uh, correlate uh, arrangements to be on their agenda or present with their uh, councils, all except for one. So at this point, I'm still waiting for uh, Wood Buffalo to the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo to contact me. But uh, yeah, so everybody's on the agenda to, I'm just, uh, honestly, they've already, in the last two years, the Canada Post has removed so many services from rural Canadians. At this point in time, you know, the mail goes from Peace River if a letter goes across the street, it goes from Peace River to Grand Prairie to Grand Prairie to Edmonton, and then it gets processed, it goes back to Grand Prairie, uh, Edmonton, Grand Prairie, Peace River. 
at this point in time, I, I'm also advocating for uh, returning that type of local sortation to Grand Prairie because it is a centralized, it's a big enough location, it's a centralized hub to the north that really I don't see why a piece of mail, even just Peace River, but high level, it's got to go, if it's going across the street, it goes from high level to Grand Prairie to Grand Prairie to Edmonton. I really think that that's unnecessary as a, as, and it's also a reduction in, in jobs in local communities, right? So. Um, Preservation of the post offices is really important because, uh, as I've been noticing, it's a bit of a distance between each little community. And uh, thank you for taking a question. So, if you have a letter that's in Peace River, why does it? Why couldn't it be processed in Peace River? Because uh, the corporation doesn't want to pay for the jobs that are in in, in Peace River. They removed those positions. They're called inside PO4 workers. Uh, we had a uh, we had a, a huge reduction in in night workers in Grand Prairie over the course of the last few years. Uh, what they're claiming is it's uh, centralizing the mail in this case, so uh, they want to rely more on their machines that are based out of Edmonton than to hire or keep, say for example, in Peace River with a community this size. I can't, I can't give you an exact quote as to how many people would be required, but uh, she's got 25 years, I would say maybe maybe two or three full-time positions, and that's really what we're advocating for, is the return of local sortation and mail as opposed to unnecessary transportation, and also the, it's a delay in the processing of mail for small businesses and for, and for residents across the North Bay. Eh? So, okay. Yeah. So, all our tax services could have been converted back up here. <laughs> yeah, no. Could, Could I speak on this? Sure. It always, uh, the Grand Prairie Postal Plant was built to be a, a, a depot. And what used to happen is all your outside mail, Peace River, High Prairie, all the area would go to Grand Prairie. We processed it, it, it that evening because we had more staff. We turn it around, send it back on the trucks. All the trucks would head back to where they came from. We could turn your mail around within at least two, the minimum of two days. Now, you could be waiting over a week or two weeks, we heard, because it could sit in Edmonton and not get processed for five days. And then it has to travel back to Grand Prairie anyway, and then to you. So they're, in essence, delaying the mail because they don't want to cover the positions and have the staff work that mail. We used to be a depot, a uh, uh, main hub for the north, and they've taken that away and sent it all to Edmonton. And I see you've left us with Bill Gibbons' letter, so. Yeah. Use that as a template. If I didn't, uh, my apologies if I haven't included the additional letters that we had. We were successful with the County of Grand Prairie. Uh, the Reeve uh, provided us a wonderful supportive letter as well, and as well as uh, the Town of Beaver Lodge and Sexsmith. So, um, I, I feel as though the message is getting out there in terms of protecting protecting the retail postal outlets. That's a big one on the on the eyes of the Liberal government right now. Um, I think that they, again, they want to change some language and. That's concerning in terms of offering services to Canadians because, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, smaller communities all they've got is a post office, right? So, I want to make, try to maintain those services for, for, for people across the north. So, I have a question, Your Worship. Just curious about like the, the banking stuff, it made sense. Like, I remember when they shut down, like, any what was in Canusel, there was maybe just TV and they shut that down. 
they're still at a post office there. Where do you draw the line? Do you see like even in larger centers where there are banks operating, or, or do you see this mostly working in smaller centers where there aren't, where there is no banking? I would I would think that at this point in time, what they are well, what they're discussing is offering these potentially offering these services to areas in which they don't have uh, banking services. There hasn't really been any formal approach to how they would uh, kind of start up this op uh, opportunity within the post office. Um, but I, I would feel as though there would be some resistance from the large banks as a result of their 35 billion in profits last year. Um, you know, obviously it's kind of a, uh, an attack on their services, but again, it does speak to the rural areas in uh, more, more, more so. And so um, I would hope to see those communities and those rural communities uh, served uh, maybe first, if that makes sense. Um, but there hasn't been much formal discussion on, on the approach at this point. They're still waiting for the review to be fully uh, completed, and that won't be until April of 2017. It just seemed to me like I follow a little bit about, because I work the government, we got all this stuff about they might shut down postal service. And, I'm surprised you say that they're making money when the information we were about, the campus is losing money, it's going to keep losing money if they don't they don't get all these concessions from the union and drop these other services and that kind of stuff. So it's obviously there's a lot of misinformation out there, so one side or the other. So Most definitely. I mean, honestly, this is part of the reason why I have this interest. Uh, I was actually, I moved from uh, Maple Ridge out of British Columbia to Grand Prairie to seek a full-time position within the post office. I took a one-way flight and uh, took the journey up to Northern Alberta for the simple fact that I knew that if I wanted to s stay with Canada Post, I'd have to uh, move to Grand Prairie because that was the only place in the country that was offering a full-time permanent position. Everywhere else was uh, cutting jobs. Um, Canada Post has made profit in the last 19 out of the 20 years that they've been in operations, and the time in which they didn't make a profit was when they locked their workers out uh, in 2011. Um, and it's not to say that they haven't used, uh, I would say, fear tactics in their media streams to kind of persuade their their uh, their situation. Uh, but that's why, really, at this point, um, it's a, again, it is a battle between both sides. But really, the the, the importance of, of our presentation is to really speak to maintaining rural services and keeping retail outlets uh, open in small communities. Um, there, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. So if you get in the banking services business, have you got any issue credit cards? You know what? A Canadian Tire can open up a, a have a, have a credit card. So you would think that the Canada Post could offer something like that. We already do like uh, money grams and student loans and uh, there's student loans. Uh, I think it's a student loan, a student loans of some sort. Uh, that was I just learned that the other day, but. Uh, there are basic banking services that are provided to uh, to Canadians. I think it would just be a, an expansion of, of services with regards to offering uh, basic banking services at a lower rate and maybe at not such a high sky rate uh, fee as maybe, maybe some of the larger banks do. Uh, it's uh, It could really grow into a variety of different uh, financial services. I mean, the list that uh, we speak of it could be agricultural loans, uh, basic small loans, uh, all sorts of different services, but uh, it's just a matter of starting, I guess. And so maybe that would be their initial uh, 
to go, but I'm not really sure. So when I send a parcel, I'll be able to get air miles with it. Well, you never know. You don't know. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. And then air miles is making you, they're forcing you to use your air miles within a short period of time. I just read that too. It's like, yeah. So, <laughs> it could be like Canadian, Canadian miles or something. <laughs> yeah. Good. Great. Okay, well, thanks. And uh, we'll uh, take a look at Bill's letter and we'll probably craft one pretty soon. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, this is it. So that's a, a go, I guess, being in reference to that. Uh, uh, well, I guess we need a motion if uh, we need if to write a letter of support. And then I guess we'll have a vote on that and then go from there. So, yeah, so I'm sorry, I'm confused just because there's been so many varieties of different councils. Some people put it to new business, some put it off another agenda. I'm not sure. Okay, we'll put it to new business. How's that? Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Of course, somebody can motion, make a motion right now. I'll do that. I'll make a motion that we uh, craft a letter to, to the federal government regarding uh, protecting rural post offices. Okay, all in favor of Councilor Perry's motion. Anyone against? Did you vote? Yes, I did, very slowly. <laughs> I wanted to see how everybody else was breaking. This is Mr. Chris, actually. <laughs> okay. okay. Awesome. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much for the pins. So, administration will craft the letter. We'll craft the letter, sir. Thank okay. you. Don't forget to put in the air miles thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're trading pictures here. Uh, that takes us to. Um, so, are there any any bylaws, Mister Town? To be passed. There were no bylaws this evening. That will take us to unfinished business. Uh, there is, is there only one item under unfinished business? Is that okay? And that's a request to, for decision on the terms of reference for the physician recruitment and retention committee. So who's going to lead the discussion on that? Is that Ms. Becky? <laughs> Well, it says the presenter is Chris, but he just bailed on us. So. Yeah. Um, pretty straightforward. Uh, at the last meeting we had, we reviewed the terms of reference, uh, and there was a few minor changes we wanted to make to it. Uh, sort of after having some discussions with um, the the local physicians and uh, our path and. Anyhow, um, we decided that recruitment right now was probably not exactly the direction the committee needed to go with more in um, attraction and retention. So we made that alteration to the title of the group. Um, talked a little bit about financial resources. Um, basically, that would be coming to each council for approval at budget time. Uh, and then direction given to the committee in terms of how they want to go ahead um, and disperse that really because we're looking at retention and attraction uh, it would be more like 
appreciation events or putting together packages that Alberta Health can use when um, trying to recruit on their on their behalf, but not necessarily uh, recruitment activities on the part of the committee itself, which is was sort of where we had been thinking we were going to be going. Some of the local communities that do this, they do things like uh, providing a welcome basket or getting some groceries for the first few days that they're here. Sometimes they arrive late at night, they don't know the community, they're working the next day. So just little things like that, that um, would have a financial implication. Um, talking a little bit about membership, the term of office, uh, meetings, we decided that meetings would be held quarterly rather than monthly. And uh, I believe it's the third Tuesday of every month, third or fourth Tuesday of every month, or every quarter, sorry. So which municipalities are part of the... Uh... Oh, it's us and the MDA Peace, uh, Northern Lights, uh, Northern Sunrise, Village of Nampa. County Peace River, County Northern Lights, Northern Sunrise County, Village of Nampa, uh, Peace River Health, um, the Health Center, Associate Medical Clinic. Uh, and there are to be members from the public at large. Um, they've, we've yet to determine who those individuals will be. And then there's two non-voting members. So somebody from the Primary Care Network and Alberta Health Services Physician Resource Planner, which is, um, I can't remember the name, Susan Smith, that's who it is. Okay, any other questions? Is Ms. Benke and Deputy Mayor Manager? If, if I may, uh, you're on the, uh, just remind me again, what is our financial commitment to the committee, or do we know we have? Well, we had a line item budget from last year, and I think it was fairly substantial. I think there was 20,000 in it that uh, has been used very little. So the the ask as if this proceeds would be much, much, much less. It um, might be a per capita idea. So just so that I'm not confused. Now this so is this different than what we pay for the rent. Okay, thank you. That for, was, for the that local was housing. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so we, we think it's less than so, um, I, I guess, I'm not sure if we extend uh, the authorization to other committees to spend money. Um, like this, I'm just reading with you. So it's been changed. Is that sort of the consensus of the municipalities? And it was basically the idea was, for example, if we wanted to run an ad in the newspaper thanking our physicians because we meet quarterly rather than monthly. The idea was that if we didn't have some sort of ability to do that, then we would make a motion in November and we would get approval in March and then we would run the ad somewhere between March and our next meeting. So, so this suite of financial model is a bit like Prida or uh, Mighty Peace Tourism right. or MMSA. So every, so, but again, it's on a per capita basis. Well, <laughs> I think the idea- Can we bring in linear assessment? <laughs> So, I, well, I guess what I was trying to so the committee wouldn't put the municipality in a position where the committee's asking for $100,000 to buy the docks and do house in Peace River as an as a off-the-wall example. 
So that might be a nice welcome, but no. <laughs> really, really, what what we're hearing after having met with um, some of the reps from PCN and Karen on guard was at one of the meetings was really what they are looking at us to do is is to help with the retention at this point. So um, recognition, um, thanks. So it's not capital stuff, obviously. It, it's 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 the uh, it's the welcome wagon for bad choice of words perhaps but essentially though is really just looking at trying to um, show appreciation for the work that's been done the other thing we talked about too and we've talked about this as a council is that this isn't just physician it's healthcare attraction and retention uh, and there is an initiative that uh, our path does where they arrange for um, educational weekends in certain communities that are looking for different types of healthcare workers and they will bring in students for that weekend where you can, you know, they'll do tours of the hospital, the, health, the different healthcare facilities. Um, you put on an event for them while they're here and then they'll go back to school. And they've actually had a lot of success in getting other healthcare workers through that process, whether it's lab techs, nurses, LPNs, um, who have gone on those tours to see these other communities that they maybe otherwise wouldn't go and see and see what kind of services and resources are available. And it, Sort of broadens their scope in terms of what they're prepared to look at. Good. Well, thank you. I appreciate the explanation. Just a, a, a final question. So, uh, funding would be administrated by the Town of Peace River. So, is the community going to have its own bank account? The idea, I, I don't have the answer to that question. When we ran this pass, I don't know if Greg wants to answer that right now or not. No. <laughs> so I, I, I guess the so comeback to that is asked and answered. Yeah. So since this is a new committee um, and they're just getting their feet, I would suggest that um, what the most likely next step will be um, they'll go, they'll get all their approvals and start to act as a committee. They should probably submit a budget mm -hmm. to the municipality, and then we'll be able to act on that. Um, and the budget should show you know the funding is done by. ABC expenses are ABC. Um, that basically gives them authority to spend the monies, um, but that's something we could just track internally. Um, to, again, financially, and not have to incur any additional costs. So, just what this is more like, I want more idea what it is. Like, I guess I'm not comfortable with our, us giving tax dollars to a committee which may or may not be really accountable to elected officials to, to spend the money wisely. I, you know, and I, I'm not saying with you guys on it, I don't see it happening. Okay, I'm picking up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. Essentially, it's um, basic, the retention aspect is becoming critical, I guess. Um, it's my understanding that uh, some of the uh, medical people that come to town, uh, they basically are on a, I think it used to be a two or three year program, and now some of them are extended to a five-year program before they say, or contract before they say, hmm, do I want to stay in Peace River or not? So what we're trying to do is uh, say both to the medical personnel and their surrounding family is Peace River is a good place to be and we'd like you to stay so that people can say, well, I've got a family doctor and it was the same one as I saw two years ago sort of thing. That is the aspect I think that we're getting at in particular. So it's not spending a great amount of money, but it's the little things and some of the communication suggestions as Tannen has mentioned have been the, um, you know, using the media 
thank you appreciation type things, maybe uh, barbecue that town councils and other councils would meet with them so they can make community connections as well. And that might keep them here. I guess I think it's not like we're offering trinkets to get medical professionals to stay. And I personally don't know that that would work. I could see the promotional stuff, the other stuff. And the relationships with community members in particular, yes. I'm always willing to buy a doctor a, a, a pint of Guinness if he'll stay down. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what are you going to make a motion then? Or maybe. Maybe Mr. Sachak should make a motion or somebody other than the committee members. Very agreeable to this. Yeah. <laughs> I can put a motion on the floor of your worship uh, to accept the recommendation of the administration to approve the updated terms of reference, noting that additional edits to the membership section are required and instruct the administration to advise the committee of the required edits. That's kind of an odd uh, motion to, to sort of say that there are required edits. There was very little originality in my motion. <laughs> the, gentleman, the gentleman to your left, you could direct that question to. Okay, well, we passed it, so see what the outcome is. Okay, great. So that was new business. Um, that takes us to. Un oh, that was unfinished. Yeah. Okay, let's go to new business. Is looks pretty short, and then we'll take a break after that. So the first item under new business is a request for a decision. Peace River Operational Interagency Committee request regarding Sisters in Spirit. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Um, I'm here to present to you a request for decision uh, regarding funding or financial support to help uh, the Peace River Inter Aboriginal Interagency Committee uh, to stage a, the annual Sisters and Spirit Walk on the purchase of a commemorative bench. Uh, in the past, the town has provided some assistance for this uh, event. In 2014, the town provided $200 in a uh, waiver of fees for the use of town equipment and in 2015 the amount was $159.60. Um, this request didn't come with a specific amount of money. Um, earlier this year the Aboriginal Interagency Committee received a grant for $3,000 uh, to help uh, fund the Aboriginal gathering in Powwow. Currently $49,409 has been allocated uh, from the $5,000 budget from council grants to groups. Uh, administration recommends not providing financial support to the Peace River Aboriginal Agency. Um, as there are limit, limited funds remaining, administration feels that such funds uh, should be available to groups who have not requested uh, assistance in, in the past and may want some in the future. So um, administration says council may redirect budget funds from another area to provide assistance um, for future requests of this request if they so desire. 
Well, there wasn't a dollar amount associated with it. No. Um, so am I reading this right? That you're saying the budget for the Sisters and Spirit Walk is eighty-nine hundred dollars. I believe that's correct. Well, actually, it's uh, last year was a little over four thousand. Well, I'm looking at the last page here that has keynote speaker, keynote speaker, honoraria, Woodland Creek Jingle Dancers. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the income budget from last, last year was four, a little over 4000 and this is the expense budget. The expense budget is 8900 This year, are you thinking that they're actually asking for the memorial bench? Um, um, we're seeking financial support uh, from our community so that we can also place a commemorative bench beside the memorial rock. In the ex in the budget income, it's saying Town of Peace River Memorial Bench 2298. I'm assuming that's what TOP or memorial bench. Right. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> so, can you shed some light on this, Ms. Bell? Um, they have purchased the bench, paid for. It's been installed, or the concrete pad has been installed, and the bench will be installed this week. So, that component is done. Unless they're asking council to provide financial support of it, but it has to be for it already. Well, I think maybe we need to be fair. We run out of money. Well, there's only well, there's five hundred dollars, I guess, and they didn't specify an amount, so. Your Worship, I look at the, uh, I, I read this and then I reflect back on to the uh, Dance Society's request from our last meeting where they were previously uh, uh, sponsored an amount and then they put on their Dimension Jubilee event in which we did not provide funding. So, uh, Your Worship, I'd be willing to put a motion on the floor to accept um, administration's recommendation not to provide funding for this event. Look at that. We always follow your recommendations, Mr. Schmidt. Well, thank you. <laughs> nice to know that I'm heading down the right path. You're our favorite scapegoat. I've <laughs> <laughs> heard that more than once. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> not here for my good looks. Uh, there's a request for a decision on the ATCO gas franchise fee, which is the next item under the business. So I'm assuming, Mr. Town, you're going to lead the discussion on this one. I will, Your Worship, and I'll be um, brief on this. Um, I believe Council's seen this uh, item uh, sporadically, um, not last year, than the year before. So um, basically, the town um, can charge a franchise fee or distribution tariff, whatever you want to call it. Um, towards gas and we'll get to the electric one for the next report um, buildings as um, part of the franchise agreement we have with DACO so 
if there's an interest to change the rate, uh, council has to provide uh, notice pretty soon as we have to advise ACCO by November 1st to uh, to enact this as it's a regulated industry. They have to go through their hearings and, and whatnot. So there's information there um, showing similar sized communities and then local communities because I know council would have an interest in seeing where we stack up for both. In terms of similar sized communities, which I actually think is more relevant because they have the same um, cost impacts that we do, probably similar revenue, similar expenses. We're actually a little bit above the average. They are reduced 28.08% or 29%. So um, based on that information, uh, council's or staff's recommendation is that the, the franchise fee remains unchanged. If council is interested in, in changing it, either positive or negative, each 1% is uh, additional $18,800 on, on the operating budget. Perhaps we could raise a 1% just to give it to the uh, position. <laughs> okay, so I want to make a motion on this. I'll put a motion on the floor to uh, accept the administration's recommendation to maintain the existing backhoe gas franchise fee. Okay, all in favor. The next report is similar, except it's electric instead of gas, and the, the method of determining the revenue is a little bit different. Um, this is a percentage of of uh, distribution revenues within the town. Um, so again, there's a couple charts there showing uh, similar sized communities, of which the average is 7.38% and the town of Peace Grove is at 7%. And then for communities in the, the more or less surrounding area, uh, of which we're above that average. Um, so this will be a choice for council. Staff's recommendation is that we consider raising it um, this will be a trickier budget year because uh, upcoming assessments will probably be limited compared to what council's seen in previous years. So uh, revenue that would have been generated from those changes in assessments will probably not be forthcoming. Um, so, and there really is just few mechanisms that council has to, to look at revenue enhancements and this is one of them. It's not onerous. It's it is, of course, you know, we're charging. We'd be charging residents and people who live in these properties more. Um, it's an impact on the people who actually reside in the house, not necessarily the taxpayer per se. So, and since the people that reside in the town may not pay property taxes, this is one way for them to, to assist in revenue generation on behalf of the town. So, yeah, it's just something else for, for council to consider on, on this item. But again, the recommendation is that council consider increasing it by half a percent to 7.5%. So just for clarification, Greg, so in instances where we forgive taxes, uh, they still pay the utility bill. Yes. So that goes to your point, so we would still collect the 7 point. That's true. Okay. And again, you know, that, that was the point you're trying to make. Yeah. That, that's one of the points. That would be a point, yes. It's mostly I was speaking of tenants who don't pay property taxes um, on either residential or commercial um, properties. 
you know, they'd be the one who'd be paying the increase, potentially. So your recommendation is to increase it by half a percent? In other words, we're going to generate another $9,000? No, this is different. Each 1% is $75,300. So half a percent would be about 47500 Sorry, still looking. Was it two years ago that uh, we last changed this, or was it just last year? Two, two years ago. And, um, you know, since 2009, the rate was 5%. It went up to 6%, and then in 2013, it went from 6 to 7%. So it has been increased as in the past. Here, I'll make a motion to um, advise ACO, the administration advise ACO Electric um, that the franchise fee charged by the Town of Peace River be increased half a percent to seven and a half percent for 2017. This is a uh, strictly administrative um, type item and hopefully we'll be dealt with pretty quick. Normally council doesn't see directives um, and what's happened recently is the purchase order directive which is the new one which is part of your package um, has been updated um, as the CAO um, had reviewed and was prepared to sign we realized that the previous directive had been approved by council so rather than have the new one override the old one, they didn't fulfill the authority, so we're asking council to rescind the previous directive since they approved it, and then the CAO will approve the new directive uh, for use going forward. Okay, a motion. I'll make a motion, Your Worship, that council rescind directive E12 1995 03. All in favor? Um, the next item is a request for decision on Pat's Creek Culvert Rehabilitation uh, Project Phase 2. And I see Mr. McQuaid uh, coming up to the front, so I see that he's going to uh, summarize the briefing. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, so to introduce this for uh, 2016 Pass Creek Culvert Rehabilitation Phase 2, which is essentially we're uh, shock creating the ceiling of the culvert and installing some backflow preventers. Uh, this is a follow-up from Phase 1, uh, which was uh, finished off in 2015-2016.
So the phase involves, as we've said, the rehabilitation of the ceiling surfaces and of the culvert to repair the outflow gates and insulation backflow prevention devices. The upstream section of the culvert is 253 meters long and is responsibility of Alberta Transportation. And downstream section of the culvert, which is 736 meters long, is the responsibility of the town. So we, uh, through this process, we've also been in conversation with Alberta Transportation as well as Alberta Environment uh, to determine uh, cost sharing for the project as well, which we'll get into in a little bit. The project engineering design was awarded to MPA Engineering in 2016 and was tendered for construction uh, in August 2016. There was no large amount of capital budget for this project in 2016 but was 90% funded through the Alberta Community Resilience Program. The Alberta Community Resilience uh, Program, the AACRP, is a multi-year grant program supporting the development of long-term resilience to flood and drought events, while supporting integrated planning and healthy functioning watersheds. The RCP is a province-wide cost-shared capital funding program with focus on long-term community resilience. The program is intended to provide emergency funds or duplicate funding opportunities offered by other provincial grant programs. And the program is administrated by the Watershed Resilience and Mitigation Branch of Alberta Environment and Parks. So we went to tender in August and received uh, tenders back from two contractors and we found uh, both bids to be compliant with the tender documents and declared qualified bids. The prices I submitted for tender was first by 169082 Alberta Limited in the amount of 1715355 and the second bid by CarMax and prices for 2583600 so of that, 169082 Alberta Limited was a low bidder at 1,715,355. And so not including site occupancy and lane closure, this bid is 18.8% higher than the Class C estimate of 1,452,75. That was put together by the consulting engineer, MPA. Now, uh, with that, we should understand that the class C estimate is considered to be plus minus 15, plus minus 20%. So, uh, we look at that, the 1,715,355 was on uh, the high side of that, but still within that 15 to 20% of the, the C estimate. 169082 Albert Limited was also the same contractor who successfully completed phase one of the project last year. MPA Engineering has worked with this company on numerous other projects which have always been completed in a satisfactory manner. As mentioned, the project is 90% funded uh, by the Alberta Community Resilience Fund. The approved funding uh, for this phase was 2,070,000. Uh, or 2,070,000 for phase two of this project from Alberta Environment Parks, of which 54,059 has already been expended to date. 
4,062,833 was not expended in phase one and has been requested to carry over into phase two funding. As this project was not originally included in the capital plan, the town will be required to provide remaining 10% of the funds required to complete the project. Administration currently plans to fund the 10% from the town reserve fund. Do you have any further comments, Mr. Town? I can provide any answers if there's questions on that. Um, but to just touch on that, um, due to the high amount of external funding, um, it, it seemed prudent in this case to throw um, our reserve resources towards this to get it completed. Um, in terms of our, our reserves um, management of those, um, in the 2016 capital budget, we had expected to expend a certain amount of uh, reserve money to do those capital uh, projects. Um, that's coming in less than what we had, had anticipated, mostly on the, the purchase of the public works building that saved us a significant amount of reserve money. Um, so this won't, this won't uh, impact our reserves more than what we planned for, and we could still uh, deal within that bucket and, and continue as uh, reserves money's going forward so this doesn't this doesn't put us in a worse position by using this money because we're underspent on our reserves um, within 2016 anyway so the 10 percent it's 10 10 percent of the 1.7 million or the 2 million or what 10%? It would be the 10 percent of uh, the total cost expenditure and it's have to carry on with a little bit for you to fully understand what the total uh, amount of that would be. So once consulting engineering fees and contingency are considered, uh, there again, the submitted tender price of 1715355 with a 10% contingency of 171536 Consulting engineering fees right now are projected to be 154109 uh, we've already purchased uh, a video camera system uh, under this grant and it was allowed for under this grant in the amount of 60000 So that would bring the total project amount uh, as planned right now with that uh, projected contractor to $2,101,000. So if we're looking at that in that light then uh, the RCP would fund the 1.89 million, and then the amount required to be funded for the 10% of the project would be 210,099. So, as we said, that administration has been in conversation with Alberta Environment Parks and, and Alberta Transportation in regards to the cost sharing for the remainder of the 10%. There may still be some further resolution to reduce the town's commitment, both with which both provincial departments are willing to discuss post-tender. To date, uh, Alberta Environment have stated that any monies received by AT will reduce the ACRP grant amount, which would reduce the amount required by the town in respect to the grant. We would not be required to match the 10% of the AT portion of the funds provided. So administration will continue to work with AEF and 
AT to reduce the town's commitment requirements for this project, which includes AT being responsible for the 10% funding of the first 253 meters and the town providing the remainder, remaining 10% of the remaining 736 meters. This would see the town recovering at least 25% of that 10% requirement for the culvert. Uh, the backflow preventers would, uh, we still have to discuss with Alberta Transportation as to the cost sharing of those items. So, can I throw a question at yep. you? So you said that uh, $460,000 was not expended out of the first project. How yes. did that weigh into this? So uh, we're looking, we're asking AE to roll that into that $2 million as part of uh, so the total would, funds. So, so they would take the four sixty and they wouldn't put in $2 million, they'd only put in $1.5 well, million? The way that the ACRP works, it'll fund up to a maximum of $3 million for the project in, in total. Right. Uh, so for this portion, they said uh, they approved us in it was April, May timeframe for that $2 million and six. Uh, so they <laughs> allocated that that amount but we hadn't spent that 462 so we asked them to roll that in so just because at that point we didn't know where the tenders were going to come in and so when we're looking at full project funding we wanted to make sure that we we're, were still only going to get we're still only going to get the three million out of the model right you're not going to go above that it, yeah we could possibly go above that because there is a funding formula for above three million if the project goes above that but uh, I think our commitment then goes uh, from 10% to 30% at that point because after... And accepting uh, this bid doesn't push us to that? No. Okay. Thank you. So just, uh, this contract is for the entire culvert, the town's portion and transportation's portion? That's correct. And transportation is, is expecting to fund their portion, right? Or is that still up for debate? No, they're expecting to fund their portion. And that's not coming out of the resiliency funding from, from the province? Well, that, no, that would be counted as part of that. So there, what Alberta Environment has told us that any amount that comes into the project from another department reduces the amount of the grant. So if AT gives us 400000 it reduces that grant by 400000 but then we've talked to them saying, well, what if you know we look at separating the two or look at it more in terms of AT's got their numbers of meters of line and then we've got our number of meters of line and then we're not having to cough up to the 10% of AT's portion. So Alberta Environment would be giving, would be funding AT's portion, but AT would be funding the 10% of that portion. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. So that way, you know, we're only fun we only have to fund the ten percent for our portion of our portion. So the other question I've got is sort of with AT right now is the the funding of the backfill preventers. Because if I can say, well that's in AT's portion and they should be taking responsibility for that ten percent, that would reduce our commitment even more. But the backflow preventers are all on the lower end of the pipe. Yes. Right. All right. Well, 
I don't think I'll have much of a chance there, but I will try. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Burr, isn't the water all the provinces? Isn't the water belong to the province? Yes, Your Worship, it does. So maybe they should be paying 100%. Dream on. <laughs> Dream on. What about uh, Northern Sunrise County? Can we charge a drainage fee? <laughs> so the part that's Alberta Transportation, is that the part that's under the, the overpass and stuff up there? And it goes to about the railway bridge? Mm -hmm. yeah. Any questions before I proceed with the options? So the options at this point are to uh, option one, award the 2016 Pat Street Culvert Rehabilitation Project Phase 2 including all deletable items to successful bidder 169-0082 Alberta Limited for $1,715,355, excluding GST as tendered. Advantages being the lowest price submitted. The project engineering consultant has worked with the contractor previously, and under this program, the work can beginning in winter 2016-17 when the culvert will be at its driest point. So they can pour it off and Shot Creek inside and, uh, and get that done while we're fairly dry. Uh, disadvantages, the project is over the project estimate, but it's still within the Class C estimation range that we projected. Financial implications, a project construction budget would need to be allocated for a maximum of $210,099. Option two is award the 2016 Pats Creek Culvert Rehabilitation Project, including all deletable items to the next lowest bidder, CarMax Enterprises, for $2,597,100. Yeah, there's no need to go through option two. <laughs> and then option three is do not proceed with the project at this time, which would reduce our financial commitment for 2016. But would delay key infrastructure renewal, which will have to be completed at some point. So just in terms of the timing, Jim, the like if they order those those covers and that kind of stuff, that's not going to be received till next year. No, not till the spring. So that like would if they could get the shock creeping done during the winter, that, that would, that's what I'm looking at. Is well, I'm just trying to figure out the funding. Like some of this funding is going to come out of the towns. Like the province's funding is different than the, the towns. Yes, you're so it'll come out of our next our 2017 budget part of it. Yes, correct. I look at this like I don't think we have any choice. It doesn't make any sense not to accept the grant from the province and get this work done because it's, it's a critical infrastructure need that the town has been overlooking for a number of years. So, I, so would you like to make the motion then? I guess I'll make the motion to award the 2016 Pat Street Calder Rehabilitation Project to 169-0082 in the amount of uh, $1.715. $355 as outlined in option one. All in favor? Thank you, So item six under new business is a request for a decision on the 2015 financial statements. I think this will be straightforward. Are you leading that one? I will, and I, I will be brief. And I apologize for not uh, or this getting missed on the agenda. So, um, council has a copy of the draft agendas, and you've reviewed this. 
um, with the auditor and the staff in the past. So, um, and your questions have been able to um, be answered. So, really, if there's any questions, I'm not going to go over them any depth. There's there's copies around. I don't know if the gallery, which looks like it's entirely town staff in the press. So, um, if you guys have any questions, I'd be willing to to answer anything uh, later if you have any. Or if council has any questions, otherwise we're, we're looking for approval of the savings. This is basically the financial statement for 2015. Okay. So, Mr. Mayor, I would move that um, the 2015 um, financial statements be approved. As presented, probably. As presented. All in favor? Yes. Okay. Um, I think this is, there's nothing else on any of business, correct? Okay, we will uh, take a 10 to 15 minute recess. Okay, we'll get back to work here. Clear it into reports. Section uh, 9. So there's a check registry from September 6th, September 12th, and September 20th. Are there any questions of administration on those checks? Okay, I'll put a motion on the table. You wish to accept uh, the check registries from September 26th, September 26th, and September 26th. Six, oh. six, twelve, and twenty. Oh, there you go. Yep, there we go. If you oh. signed up for the town's health care plan, you could probably get vision. Touche. All right, uh, the sixth, the twelfth, and the twentieth. <laughs> for information, please. All in favor? Yeah. <laughs> Sections 10, uh, Councillor and Department Reports. Um, so the first uh, first one there is uh, Corporate Services CAO Monthly Report. Uh, is there anything worth highlighting there, Mr. Parker? Uh, no, not at the moment there, uh, Worship. Um, just one question. Um, with respect to the Northern Lakes College Water and Wastewater Operator Prep Program, did anyone from the town Take of that? Yeah, not that I can, uh, I know for sure. I, I know it was passed on to some staff, town staff, but um, don't report back saying that you didn't sign anyone Services report for one for July and one for August. Mm -hmm. Is there uh, anything Mr. Harris wishes to uh, highlight there? Unless you have any questions. There must be someone with a question for Mr. Harris. Uh, just, <laughs> just one question, but not to do with the report. How many volunteers do we have now on the department? 
Vehicle collisions, like most of those are in town, but those that doesn't necessarily come out of budget. Like you, we can build some of those costs back. We can build back if it's uh, on a provincial highway. So if it's on a town street, then we can't. But if it's on the highway or the secondary, we, we uh, go out of transportation. Questions for the community services events report for John. Any questions on that? People just want to call me a Okay. Final one. It has to do with trees. So, um, trimming and required removal of trees uh, has been completed. Were there any trees that you were able to get planted this year? And there is still more tree plant or tree trimming, uh, but we have to wait till October first. To be honest, yeah. Elm Ban, Elm Ban. That's Elm Yes. So, uh, how many visitors all together uh, during the summer months while the witness blanket was on? I see it said specifically 116 came for the witness blanket. They identified their visits specifically for coming for the witness blanket. So the each month um, on the statistics, of which I do not have in front of me, um, her numbers are slightly higher for July and August compared to 2015. And uh, we, we had a um, free uh, free entrance uh, and just relied on donations. Yes, that was very successful. I'll give a bit of an update on our yeah. council reports. Oh, so we want to save that thunder and lightning for your report? Well, you know, I know she doesn't have any paper in front of you. But technically, that was, I believe, and Laura was providing that also for her September report, so she hadn't included her council highlights yet. Yeah, um, You're preempting her September. Yeah, I knew you spelled Stephenson wrong in this. Well, actually, when does the poll open? <laughs> no That's a September activity item. Um, we are planning, October 1st was our opening plan date. And if all goes well, possibly a few days. We're just waiting for health inspector approval and we could be open a day or two early. Don't put that on the news yet. <laughs> <laughs> I see for the panel and piece that council reported Councillor Sawchuk there, they look pretty dry on the on photos. That's what's at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, engineering and infrastructure monthly report. Any 
Any questions on that one? Just to comment on the, the chart, it looks uh, very nice, and the percentages of completion look uh, very nice as well. I think they're within the targets. <laughs> Garbage not, is uh, so Jim, not in your report, but the new palace up on the hill, what's, uh, how is it working out? That would be the town shop, I mean, for, when I say palace, when, I, when you grow up with the, inheriting the old EGT building, it's, uh, anything's a palace after that place. So how, how's the building? No, it's working very well uh, for Public Works, and they're very happy to be in there. Uh, we had to do a little bit of uh, paint and repair to the, the offices that were pretty beat up up front, but we've since got those done. We've got a new Public Works sign up. Uh, we're using the back uh, secondary building. We're currently uh, building a welding and carpentry shop back in there to kind of replace the one that we lost in the old shop. So we're moving forward with that. Uh, so no, they're very happy with that and uh, it's, uh, have a few more minor repairs to uh, complete on the building that we knew about uh, going into purchasing the building. So we were trying to get those completed uh, this fall. Uh, we started up boiler, the boiler operations this morning, so we've got heat on in the building and heat will be working fine. Thank you. When's your open house? Uh, we were looking at uh, doing an open house in conjunction with our December uh, open house to the town. So I think it was the, the first week of December. Thank you, Mr. Parker. <clears throat> yeah, something around there. And I know this fall cleanup is. Probably happening? Yes, fall cleanup is starting this Wednesday, so the 28th will be running through to the 7th of October. And it's uh, publicized, and we're just uh, getting the uh, bins uh, ready uh, this week or the next day or two, and uh, getting that prepped to be in the Centennial parking lot just behind the town hall area. So, uh, <coughs> Mr. Dietrich, can you send me the link to the, where it is on the website? I'd had uh, numerous, on numerous uh, uh, requests uh, or questions about when when is the uh, when is the uh, town cleanup happening? If you go to pserver.ca, it's uh, just one of the main sliders. Bam, right there on the front page. It says fall cleanup and then dates right underneath. Can you send me the link? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when is the uh, sand shedder going up at the new shop, or is it already up? So the sand shed, uh, we've uh, decided just to kind of lay sand in the way we've uh, laid it in uh, in previous years for right now into the, uh, the little bone yard beside the, the new public works yard. So we've laid up our sand and salt in there and pickled that up there right now. Uh, we have to do some cleanup in the boneyard right now to allocate a space for the new sand salt shed. It'll be going into the back corner of that boneyard, uh, that little plot of land that we have just down from the uh, new public works building. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Is that going to is that sound shed going to be completed before the winter months? No, that that will be going in. We're probably looking at next starting on next spring. Okay. Nobody else is asking, so I am. What is the bone yard? Uh, <laughs> the bone yard is basically what we affectionately kind of call that. Uh, we have the property where uh, the fire department has their practice rig in there right now, but it's also been kind of a storage collection ground for a number of things, which uh, we've actually started doing some cleanup in there uh, this week. So all those old cars that are in there, we're, they're being removed, and we're gonna tidy up that yard and so we can make it a little more functional for ourselves and for the fire department. You might not be able to answer this question, but I see you put a note on the airport. Shell has removed their CAT SA scanner. The CAT scanner you worship, yeah. That's their x-ray machine. Yeah. So they've removed that, and because uh, that was their uh, property. Uh, but they're doing so, they damaged some tiles in there, so they need to pay for the, the retiling in there. That they gave us the scanner. What? You didn't want it? Um, there's also an item uh, about the um, the old uh, water pumping station in the south. Is that the building? That building? Decommissioning the site. Okay, yes, that's correct. Uh, that would be the old water treatment plant. And since it provides no other function right now, and to get that back up and working would be uh, just cost prohibitive at this point. So we're looking at uh, demolishing that next year, you know, and it's having that as part of the capital plan for next year, just to take that completely out. Because it serves no purpose right now, and it's just uh, it's it just requires maintenance for no discernible purpose right now. So, Jim, where you're proposing to put the sand salt mixture, what are you doing to prevent contamination there? Is there, there's no pad there to put it on, is there? No, and that's something we have to look at when we go to build a new sand, sand salt shed next year, is uh, because there are a whole bunch of requirements that uh, go along with that, and including, you've got to look at uh, uh, a secondary pond to pond off any affluent off of that salt pile right now, which we don't have that facility right now. And it's something that we are looking at as part of when we go to build that shed next year. I just know that other agencies have got fairly significant bills trying to deal with that problem because they didn't deal with it up front. Yeah. And we're aware of that and it's just at a point that we don't have a facility right now. We haven't had a facility. Uh, so the best I can offer right now is that uh, when we go to do our facility, we will be taking that into account, and uh, so that's part of the plan. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, that takes us to Councillor Ford's Gravel Pit Committee. Yes, Your Worship, I uh, attended the uh, Gravel Pity uh, CAC meeting on September 20th where we received a report from Reed Bliska in regards to uh, the Gravel Pit bylaw and uh, attached is a letter um, 
from the MDFPs to the CAC committee, uh, just advising the committee that at the regular meeting of council on September 13th, the MDFP, MDFPs council gave second and third reading to bylaw number 5, 2016 for the Shotsbury gravel pit area. Um, also attached um, to the report is two uh, letters from residents, one being a resident from the town of Peace River, the other a resident from the Amity of Peace, and I've also attached the uh, agenda package for that meeting. So coming out of the, uh, coming out of the bylaw, um, there is going to be uh, an 800 meter setback um, from a residence on any future development. Um, the bylaw basically is there to protect the uh, the residents on Shaftesbury Trail. Um, there's some str pretty stringent guidelines in regards to the application if, uh, if the development was to move forward. So there is the setbacks. Um, there's also a bunch of uh, studies that would have to be done. Everything from uh, uh, noise assessment to vehicles on the road, uh, dust mitigation, all that kind of uh, sort of stuff that comes with the uh, application as well as his, his historical significance on some of the properties that they may want to expand on. Is there a requirement for continuous drone surveillance of these properties? <laughs> okay. Um, thank you, Councillor Ford. Uh, Deputy Mayor Mazur? Uh, yes, I have a report and I'll just highlight a couple of the ones. Uh, first of all, a Mackenzie Municipal Planning Agency report um, of note is that the town and other municipalities' fees will be going down next year because we've got a few new members. So that was um, a part of the looking at the budget for next year. And with respect to um, the Sugar Plum Daycare, I stopped in an informal house and it's very nice and they said they planned a more formal occasion in October. Uh, well, that's going to be changed to November. November, sounds good. Anyways, it's a very nice facility and it uh, hopefully gets well attended. Um, I took a municipal finance course uh, with Harold next, or last week. And he had some things to say about um, his opinions on um, ways of doing budgets, which are quite interesting. Um, the um, clinic has been a topic of uh, two meetings that I attended. One September 19th, apparently the deputy minister was touring Northern Alberta with stops in High Prairie and Peace River and I don't know where else. But anyways, um, at his stop in the Peace River, um, at that meeting anyhow, uh, he was asked about the clinic, what was happening, and he wanted a plan of the hospital site. I think because he'd just come from the High Prairie Hospital site where that clinic is within the hospital, so he was asking about that sort of thing. And another uh, clinic meeting on the 22nd, um, basically, we're getting a little bit of a, a runaround, I guess you'd say. Um, all I can say really is there's ongoing discussions between the doctors group, AHS and AH, and um, the possible developer and the possible location. So it's kind of two steps ahead and then uh, one and a half steps back. So hopefully we're gonna change that. 
The other uh, conference I attended was the Green Matters Conference in Grand Prairie. There was 400 delegates uh, from various seniors programs throughout Alberta. Um, also FCSS um, uh, employees attended as well as other municipalities. And I was asked in particular to find out um, about some of the details about hosting such a conference. That conference was hosted by the Alberta government, the city and county of Grand Prairie, NADC, and others. The cost of the conference was about 100,000, and their needs are a facility that would hold 400 in one room, and then four rooms for 100 each for breakout sessions and display spaces. So I don't think that Peace River quite has that yet. However, that conference did hire a conference organizer to do the uh, registrations and some of the programming. The conference will be held in Hinton in 2017, so it could be interesting to talk to some of the Hinton people about it. The other thing I found of note there was that it's possible that different um, communities could apply for a grant. Um, to really highlight uh, the beginning of Seniors Week, which is in early June, and the grant is possibly around $7,500. And that's kind of where it was. <coughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, that takes us to information. Uh, Section I'm making a, a report myself. Oh, okay. Very good. Um, a couple meetings of interest, I think, that I attended um, on the 15th, I attended Chamber of Commerce Executive Meeting, and we had a discussion with the Chamber around the uh, gap analysis and the lacking thereof in their mind, and uh, what we could do about that. <clears throat> and um, so I took a bunch of information from them forward uh, to the Lac Cardinal uh, meeting on the 19th, and uh, that was on the agenda there as well. So basically what has happened with that uh, gap analysis is there was definitely some shortcomings in some of the information. And I believe uh, information was collected from a number of communities in the area and passed on and the uh, proponent of that, uh, Kirsten Hunt, I believe, the fellow's name is, is doing an update to that uh, report. It should be done by the end of the month. And he will be back in this part of the country doing a presentation up in high level for, for their um, gap analysis that they had done at the same time. So Preda has offered to uh, bring him back to the area on the 13th on his way back down from high level and meet with um, not only our council and the chamber but any other neighboring municipalities that would like a little better explanation as to that report and where some of the information came from and how it can be properly used. So, um, the 13th of October? Yes. It is. So where is that going to be? It's, they're still selling out where exactly it's going to be. Uh, it'll be run through, uh, Priya. So the cost to maintain this guy or bring him back down, I think will be covered by Priya. So um, where it's going to be, it will be either in Peace River or immediate area. Uh, details to follow. I talked to Dan today about that, Dan Belt, and he's still ironing out the details, but we should see something in the next day or two. Uh, 
Um, I've also talked to the chamber and given them a brief heads up on that same situation, so they're aware. Sorry, Mr. Sarchak, was that the Peace River gap analysis, or it's, it's the whole thing? But they they're going to refocus on basically what they said. They'll set up a two-hour meeting with this guy, so he'll go over. And I asked Dan specifically that, so I said, so is this going to be just a rehash of what he already did? He said, well, he should have the new information, so we will be a general overview of of the thing. But he said there'll be lots of time for questions. Uh, if people have specific questions about the report and how to use it. So, um, I believe Dan will probably be in contact with the administration directly <coughs> once everything is set up. So, um, so <coughs> that takes care of those two meetings. So, I guess the other one was the museum board meeting that we had on the 21st. Um, a number of things we looked at, um, basically a, a summary of the summer's activities pretty well. Um, we did look at the witness blanket and the you know, successes it had. Uh, Laura was having a little trouble really trying to uh, you know, pull out the numbers on what was directly related to that and what wasn't. Some of those records they have fairly well, some of them not so much, but um, it was a... Um, very successful event. The fact that we didn't charge and that donations were given, uh, I think, as a as a member of the council there, the board, uh, we had discussed the possibility of just dropping the, the fees that they charged there and, and going through a straight donation uh, process. So that could be, come before council in the next report or two. Depends on what the decision is there. Um, it seems to be uh, viable, I guess, to do that. Not to charge people at the door, but just to have a donation in there. I believe that's what they do in Grand Prairie and a number of other places they looked at that Laura mentioned. And it seems to work fairly well. So um, a proposal may come forward. Some of these colleagues don't even charge for their pool. Well, because by the time you pay a staff member sit there to collect the fees, what you actually collect in fees is less than their salary. So, so we should have Tanya sit there and do that. Or? <laughs> anyway, uh, whatever. Um, the other thing that was brought forward again was the uh, NAR and the uh, uh, upcoming. Um, use of that facility by the museum and uh, the uh, tourist information proposal going forward into the next budget year uh, with the museum staff taking that on. Um, one of the key things that was raised again was the severe shortage of storage space for, uh, for artifacts and um, to the point where they are getting to where they almost can't accept any new donations and there was some fear that if they cut back on accepting donations they lose their accreditation uh, with the National Museum or Provincial Museum Board. So they're seriously trying to figure out where they can get some more space. Um, they figure with the uh, addition of the NAR space and, and moving some displays upstairs in there and a couple other things that they're looking at 
we probably can get away for the next couple of years relatively safely by just kind of shuffling some things around. Um, but it will be a, a serious problem for people. Just something to keep in note, and I'm sure Laura will remind us of that. Why do we have some space in our public works building? <laughs> yeah. In the boneyard. <laughs> <laughs> you can put the paleo, 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 the dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's in the boneyard. Uh, that's what I put. Your Worship, one item that I forgot to add, it wasn't a meeting, but I did uh, have a few questions about it, is I did attend the uh, Miserable Miles obstacle race that uh, the Town of Peace River supported, and it, it was a very well-organized event. They had uh, uh, more entries, and they thought they were at 151, and it very, ended up being very, very successful. Okay. Uh, else? Okay, that will take us to section 11 information. So uh, the Rotary House Dinner and Dance Invitation is November 5th, and I see they need uh, $200,000 to furnish, furnish that facility. So Mr. Mayor, what they're really asking, I think on this one, is whether or not the town is um, would be attending, and it's $100 a ticket or $1,000 a table. Okay, why don't we buy a table and uh, if there's not enough people going, we'll uh, invite the idea of peace. How's that? Someone going to make a motion for that? Since Deputy Mayor Manzer brought it up, maybe she should be there. Uh, I move that um, councillors and mayor be able to uh, attend the Rotary gala on November 5th and the administration arranged to buy a table for $1,000. Any objections to that motion? All in favor? Uh, the second item is a, uh, a letter from Transport Tech Canada regarding grade crossing regulations. I, had, I uh, take it from the letter that grade crossing uh, Great crossings need to be upgraded, and that it probably includes some of the town of Peace River. So, will the administration be bringing back a, uh, a write-up or a briefing note as to what, which which uh, railway crossings need to be upgraded, what the cost will be, and uh, uh, whether we're eligible, how much funding will we need to apply? For? Yes, actually part of this is also for uh, um, councils and, and or municipalities to understand that uh, it's also a sharing information. Um, so we're waiting from CN, they have to provide us with much information, I think by November 28th or something to that effect. So we won't have a report before then. And then at that point, we can identify exactly what roads and when I believe we, when we looked at it, we had five crossings the total that we might or might not be responsible for. So we're just waiting until we uh, get that. And then of those five crossings, which ones might 
not meet the standards and which ones do so it's uh, but yeah we will be coming back with this information and then the next part is also to find out how much we can get for grants if there is uh, it does allude in the letter that there's some grants but we will let at that point then start pursuing a bit more so can you share i can only think of two and they're both on secondary highways so they wouldn't be ours so the, the, there's one in the industrial right across okay where are we at right across the river uh where um what's that planet called for the county no, 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 down to the cement plant, Leland. No, oh, if you go just as you're just crossing the river to the right, there's a little crossing over there, believe it or not. Um, the one that's on the that. walking trail. Um, I don't know if it's that. So I that's a pathway. Was it crossing or it looked like a roadway when we were looking at it? I was just trying to think there. Just to the right of the bridge is a, is a walking trail on yeah, we go much farther at the end of that. Um, that's Then there was um, there's three up. There's one by Canadian Tire, one just before Canadian Tire, and then there's one by the town shop. And there was one other. There's one by the ball fields. Ball fields. Okay, and one by oh, the ball fields. One on Judah Hill. Yeah, but that's that's not ours. Yeah, that's not ours. Yeah. So of those five, we might might not be responsible for. Uh, it would still be good to know which ones uh, in the town boundaries are, are uh, province's responsibility and what's required there. But, but that would be the advantage of this because uh, this letter says clearly we there's um, an information sharing group. Yeah. And so that would be our first stage is who owns what? Who, has, who, who was there first or not? Because that would be the other thing. If, if we had the road or the pathway there first and Sienna came in, then they're fully responsible. That's like 250. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, there we go. Yeah. There might be anecdotal evidence. We have the trail. <laughs> <Okay>. <coughs> um, so we, we won't uh, ask for a motion on uh, Canada 150 community leaders nomination. You brought this to the floor, Deputy Mayor Manzer. Can you speak to it? Uh, yes, uh, it's my understanding that um, communities can nominate one or more Canada 150 community leaders and uh, then be eligible to, well, they can apply for a grant of up to $15,000 to um, help celebrate Canada's 150th birthday. Ms. Bell, I see you've approached the uh, meeting table, so I'm assuming you're you're on this like white on rice. <laughs> Not the community leaders portion. That's new information for us, so um, that's for something for council to look at. But the Canada 150 grants we have been looking at for the last three or four months now. Uh, we actually did a call out to all of our regional partners. <clears throat> the other municipalities to see if we want to do a um, collective regional application to the grant but you cannot use the grant for your existing Canada Day events so we were looking at um, concert in the park idea but most of the municipalities at first said sure great idea and then they collectively one at a time backed away they're going to focus on their Canada their own Canada Day events so then um, part of uh, the rec programmers approach was to pass along the information to other community groups and we have re recently heard that the Peace River Event Society 
be applying for the grant. So we're going to allow the, the nonprofit groups to apply, but we will be upping our Canada Day event. So doubling our fireworks, you know, making the actual Canada Day event much larger. But the grant is not eligible for that um, activity. So you will see a slight increase in that budget for so the community, okay. So the community leaders grant of fifteen thousand. Who can apply for that? And what what is it to be used for? That I'm not a hundred percent certain in terms of the community leaders portion of it. I need to double check whether it's the same reference to the same Canada 150 grant that we had looked into for events and activities to celebrate Canada's 150 throughout the whole year. Um, <coughs> So I'm not 100% certain. So this came from the uh, FCM? Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe, Mr. Mayor, we could leave it until um, Community Services has had a chance to delve into it a wee bit further. I think yes. there is some time still that we could nominate somebody or not. Yeah, the nomination piece is separate and different than the community grant application. And that deadline is October 29th. So I'll need to double check if that $15,000 grant is similar, if not the same, to the other Canada 150 grant. They have a lot of little grants. I well, see there's a, please complete and return the form by October 15th for this That's the community thing. leaders portion of it. So I'm going to make a motion, Deputy Mayor Mazur, to instruct the administration to investigate uh, the community leaders Canada 150 grant program? Yes, in those exact words. Okay, all in favor? Uh, I believe Ms. Manzer was saying that uh, she, she wants um, uh, instruct the administration to investigate the uh, Canada 150 community leaders grant program. And report back to council. Was that what you said? I'm sure that's pretty uh, well accurate. Okay, Peace Library System board meeting highlights for September 17th. Anything you want to underscore there, Deputy Mayor? I think you're the member on that committee. Basically, the first paragraph um, the province has a grant of $208,000 to the uh, regional library system for um, basically um, getting uh, First Nations and Métis uh, people from their various settlements and reserves into libraries. And so they are um, instituting a program of outreach and building relationships to um, basically open up the libraries to more peoples. There was a uh, letter uh, from Ms. Jill Pleasure uh, as a follow-up to the Purple Rung uh, presentation. And uh, I'll let people digest that one themselves. I, I think we're, uh, at this point in time, we're only at the very ex early stages of such a program if it ever came to fruition. 
So on that, are we, is the administration looking at anything, or are we just kind of letting that hang, or by a slow death, or? The administration has no direction. No council at this time. That's kind of what I thought, but. Um, are you looking to make a motion on that? Well, I want to think about it for some more before we decide how I want to do it. I, It'd be interesting to see if we get more feedback like from, from Jill, but. Um, letter from Alberta Municipal Affairs regarding Minister's Award for Excellence in Public, in public Library Service. Um, is there anything here that people want to highlight? I'm going to take that as a resounding no. A uh, letter from Alberta Infrastructure Transformation regarding Provincial Transit Engagement Session. And this session is going to be held when and where? Oh, this is... That, that was our meeting that we had with them. Oh. Okay, we have till fiscal year 2021 to utilize the funding. that um, you want to comment on this Ms. Uh, Ms. Bell? No? I, I believe we'll have further discussions in our budget uh, workshop. Okay. Uh, and letter from the Canadian Red Cross. Is this one to you Mr. Ford? Oh, John Fisher. Weren't you the driving force behind this? Red Cross. Peter Supporter. Thank you for all the help. Putting Portland's Murray back on his feet. Yeah, the, initi the initiative that I participated in was uh, a joint venture between uh, uh, three businesses that I work with, one Tarp on Energy. Uh, the other was Willie's Trucking and uh, our local radio media that uh, kind of all got together and filled a 63-foot trailer full of uh, supplies that got shipped off to Fort McMurray. That's the one you're talking about. So item 9 here is an email from Tracy Swifel and she's looking for help on a letter uh, of support for crime prevention. So is there anything the uh, town envisions doing on this to support this cycle of Sagat Tower? So Mr. Mayor, I, I missed the last um, uh, piece of our Aboriginal interagency meeting, but um, I think this grant just came up and it's a very quick time around. So what she is asking for is a letter of support um, for Sagotawa to uh, apply for the grant for basically uh, crime prevention. So you're I would move that uh, uh, administration uh, write a letter of support to Tracy Zeppel at the Sagotawa Friendship Center uh, supporting her grant application to the crime prevention program. 
for the mayor's signature or mayor's signature yes please okay all in favor Is there uh, anything else under information items? Or was that the last? Yeah, that was it. That's it. Okay. Very good. So uh, there were were a number of motions out there, but we could probably uh, um, so item under information item two four. Backstreet Street, Tommy. Uh, 
No. I think it's a financial statement. Oh. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll take the financial statement as well. All right. So we'll take a break for. Uh, <coughs> is there anything that Mr. Taylor missed, Mr. Dietrich? No, we got my list. Okay, well, we'll take 10 minutes here so that Mr. Taylor can get his uh, questions.